0: Hey, a couple quick announcements before we get started. Our next book club book will be The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. It'll be episode 30 and is going to be coming out September 15th, so grab yourself a copy. There's a link to buy the book in the show notes. Also, Daniel Wheat, who writes and performs our theme song and most of the other music on our podcast, has just released a great new song on Spotify titled Joy. Joy. It's exactly the kind of song this world needs right now. Once again, link in the show notes. Now, on with the show. And I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow Him.
1: And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're doing our best to to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan, and I'm Steve. Don't you know it's all I have?
0: So Nathan, I didn't didn't get to go to my therapy appointment this past Sunday Uh because I I I got the the COVID booster on Saturday. Okay, and I thought I was gonna feel great, uh, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh no, you go, it so, happens
0: again, happens again. It wasn't as bad as the second shot. Um, because I guess they're just upgrading the 5g instead of just installing it, you know? <laughs> um, but <clears throat> so I had to cancel the appointment cause I just was not feeling well. Glad I got the booster though. Uh, uh since I'm autoimmune, uh, I'm immunocompromised is the, I guess the word. Right. So, um, and, uh, but so I, I'm glad I got a bit. I, so I didn't get my therapy appointment. So um, can you're going to be my therapy guide today?
1: Standing. yeah. <laughs> I, I do that at work like once or twice a week. I'd say so. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'll send you a bill later, and we'll we'll just get going.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. This this podcast is half therapy anyway.
1: For probably for both, yeah. both of us. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep.
0: But um, the reason I started actually seeing the therapists we're seeing. Is uh, it's about the third therapist we've seen? Is because this person is a uh, she's she actually deals with cancer patients most of the time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she's she's absolutely fantastic. And I, we needed somebody who could get behind and understand the complexities of dealing with chronic illness, the, the kind of illness that is life-changing and just will not go away. Um, thankfully, you know, sometimes cancer does go away, but, you know, sometimes, often it doesn't. And it's not quite right. the death sentence it was when, like, when I was little. Like, here, somebody had cancer, just, like, they'll just write them off, basically, but... Right. But it's a, whole, it's a whole different thing, thinking of how, just understanding how life changes when you have diagnoses like that. Um And I may have kind of mentioned this in passing in the podcast before about my diagnoses of both young-onset Parkinson's disease and later, two years later, a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. But I I feel like it's kind of time to – I kind of want to talk about it through the lens of how it's impacted my spiritual life. And – there, there's. Uh, I wrote out a bunch of notes and just kind of a brain dump. I've got a lot of. <laughs> there's. It's hard. It's hard to find an aspect of my life that this hasn't impacted. Which is not, not surprising, but um, well, I'll just kind of get going and stop me and interrupt me. I'm happy to answer any questions along the way. So I'll start. I kind of start by telling the story. I I'm one of these guys who has I not gone to the doctor from the time I was in college until the time I was 41 years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I'm one of those guys. I never got sick. I mean, yeah, you don't. And if I ever have like a nagging thing, it's nagging, not very much. And I hate sitting in the doctor describing something while there's nothing wrong with me. Right. So if there is like a little thing that happens every now and then,
0: Yeah. And I I know what I need to do. I need to eat better and exercise more. I mean,
1: (laughs) I'm an American. (laughs) That was my reason to not go to therapy too. It like, I know what I'm doing wrong. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating, you know, I'm not exercising. So yeah. Yeah. I should just do
0: those. So so I mean, I mean, I, I maybe had the flu once through that whole time. And I just just really hardly ever got sick of of anything at all. Other than like allergies and the occasional cold here and there, but nothing doctor, uh, Dr. Level. Yeah. So I had recently changed jobs um, to where I currently work. This has been 2015 or 16 that I moved over there. And um, I noticed that my hand, my my left hand was starting to cramp up a lot. And it was really bizarre because I thought, oh, you know, it's going on? So, like, it was hard to type. And I... Couldn't figure out what was going on. I figured I figured it was the new desk. You know, ergonomics are weird. Yeah. Yep. So they got me in a a standing up and down desk thing, and I, th- I thought that's going to solve it. It didn't solve it. My arm, my left arm, was still slow and tight and weird. And then I thought, okay, it's the keyboard. So I got I tried like three different ergonomic keyboards. Uh huh. <laughs> Did not solve it. And. I just kept kept bothering me more and more and more to the point where I was writing out a sermon one day for uh, I was filling in for the preacher at church. And I had to use I had to resort to the text to speech option on my on my computer oh, to wow. capture all my notes because it was just so hard to type my left hand. And then I was talking to somebody at church about it, who's a nurse. And I'm like, yes, yeah, really weird. And, and I can't figure out what's going on. She's like, "Are you having any tremors?" I'm like, "Yes, I am. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize I was having tremors, but I, I when she said that, I realized I was." Right. And because uh, I think that we don't always pay attention to our bodies and what's going on, and it's especially something that comes along slowly, yeah, you just don't notice it. Yep. I started getting more and more concerned, and I was noticing. When I was teaching class at church, I was having a hard time coming up with words, putting sentences together sometimes. Oh, my balance was a bit off, weird stuff. So I went into the doctor and didn't have a doctor, as I previously right. established. Yeah. And so I I looked up and and at, at this point it was it was kind of I was kind of getting a little panicked because I had called a, one of like the general UC health line or whatever. And they put me in talk to talk with a nurse. And I chatted with her for a while. And she's like, I think you need to get into the emergency room. I'm like, what? <laughs> cause I, I explained how my left side was slow. And I noticed that my left foot was kind of hard getting in the shoe. And she was afraid that I had a stroke. Right. So she wanted me to get in. And that panicked me. And I knew I didn't have a stroke cause I, I, I there was nothing else any, anyway. So I, I kind of panicked and I just first doctor I could find. And I went in and I said, uh, went to, got into the doctor and explained everything. She's like, Well, I think we need to get you a, a, like a CT scan. I'm like, What do you think it could be, doc? She's like, Don't know. I said, you know, I've got a friend with MS. Could it be MS? Cause it's neurological weirdness. And she's like, I don't think it's MS, cause um, reasons. And I'm like, Okay. So went in for that. Nothing on the CT scan. Went to another neurologist. Couldn't figure it out. And in the meantime, I started noticing that it, everything everything I was dealing with was on my left side of my body. Mm-hmm. Nothing on the right, which is good because I'm right-handed. So I started doing what all good Americans do, is diagnose yourself on on WebMD. And uh, aside from cancer, which is <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, so <laughs> cancer,
1: so it said cancer. <laughs> and also reiterated that you should go to the emergency room.
0: Right, right, right. But everything that I came, kept coming up with was emphasizing the fact that if things like that start happening on just one side of your body, they, all signs just kept pointing back to Parkinson's disease.
1: Okay.
0: And I'm like, I'm 41. <laughs> what? That's too young. Yeah. And then I started thinking about Michael J. Fox and he was 29 when he got diagnosed. So I wrote up, I wrote up all my, like the, the nerd I am. I wrote up at uh, the timeline of all my symptoms and when they happened, how severe they were. And I went into the, The neurologist and by the way, kids listening out there, if there are any kids or parents, (laughs) your child should be a neurologist (laughs) because (laughs) it takes like six months to get into a neurologist. I I was lucky to get in a little earlier than that because it was just it was like this guy was like a in training or something. But boy, there's a super big shortage of neurologists. So anyway, have a job forever. Anyway, so I went into the neurologist and I, and I sat down and by that point, it had been several weeks and my left leg had been, started tremoring a lot more. And so I was like, my left leg was bouncing up and down and I explained what was going on and I, I handed in my sheet of symptoms and he's like, so what do you think it is? I said, I think it's Parkinson's disease. He's like, yeah, it's Parkinson's disease. Pretty sure. Wow. So, that was a hard day. It was like I think it was like September twenty fifth, twenty seventeen. So, being a, a pretty normal dude at forty one, getting Parkinson's disease was was brutal. It was a it was a super hard shock to the system. Uh, hard for me and my wife, both obviously. It was life changing, obviously, because uh, for a lot of reasons and. I'm the type of guy who I, I tend to do lots of stuff and I like, I like to be active. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to fight back on this thing. Yeah. And so, so I, I, I did a lot of research and found out that the, there's zero way to slow down Parkinson's disease. There's no cure for it. Uh, all that they can do is manage symptoms for Parkinson's. And the average age for Parkinson's disease diagnosis is about 60, 65. Wow. And if 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 you are diagnosed before the age of 50, they they consider it young onset diagnosis, young onset Parkinson's. Which tends to be a slower burn, kind of a slower decline, but it 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 still ends up in the same same place in the end. And so here I was with two kids and it's one thing having, like living your life, knowing that you could, any, any, any day you could stop a bus the hard way. Yeah. Things could happen. Life, life is not promised to us, right? But it's a, it's a really strange thing to suddenly have some certainty to your future, which, you know, we, we think that we want certainty to our future. But when you have that certainty... But it's bad news. That's like, it's, it's like, that's, that's, that's rough.
1: We've, we've, uh we've talked about that a lot about how we're all mortal, but uh, the lucky ones of us who don't have some kind of known prognosis, it's so easy for, like, we just don't think about, we don't think about what the end is going to look like. Yeah. And we, you know, we don't have to avoid it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't come for us or anything. It's just, we just don't think about that, but there are, you know, I feel like there are Greek tragedies told about when the hero gets told how his end is going to happen. Yeah. You know, uh, the whole story is about them frantically trying to like run away from that, run away from that Right. Um, because it's, I can't think of any specific stories, but I, that's just a common human um, storytelling trope that I think matches that how difficult it is to, to actually like see, see that part of your future that most of us ignore, you know? Yeah. And
0: so that's, that's the, where I, the weird space I found myself, like there, there are plenty of unknowns and I still have those unknowns. Mm-hmm. And I, in some ways I still have, I have extra, it's like a weird category of known unknowns, because I know like how my Parkinson's could progress
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm not sure how it will, but I know it will. Right. And so, uh, I, I'll back up a second. So Parkinson's, what it, what it is, is, I mean, we hear a lot about it. We see Michael J Fox, uh, you know, on, on the news a lot and he's a fantastic advocate, but what it is, is, uh, deep in the center of your brain is kind of the movement center. It's like, really, it's like right above the, your lizard brain. And, um, that there's dopamine cells in that in the area of your brain. There's dopamine cells in in your body all over the place, but the the movement center of your brain has tons of dopamine because it's a neurotransmitter that enables you to, enables movement. Okay. And it it also, as we as I think the last episode you mentioned how arguing can even give you a dopamine hit. Lots of things give you dopamine hit. It's a it's a reward chemical in your brain, as well as Enabling movement, which I didn't know until Parkinson's came along. What happens and the the cause is unknown and there are a lot, there are some, there are some known causes, but why I have Parkinson's, no, we can't figure out for sure. Right. But what happens is these dopamine producing cells in your, in the center of your brain start dying off. And they, they it's like, it's like something t- uh, trips off a cascade event and they just slowly die off and die off and die off and your brain can't your body can't keep up with replacing them cuz some neurons do actually regenerate and some don't but by the time that you start seeing symptoms of this parkinson's disease it's probably been 15 maybe even 20 years since it started wow by that time they think about 70 to 80% of your dopamine cells have already died
1: yeah so the the brain's been compensating or like figuring out a way to make this happen yeah, And the symptoms happen when you reach that threshold of, okay, now it's just not enough for certain things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so what happens is that over time as it just keeps dying off more and more and more. The medication that you're given, as I mentioned, is to handle symptoms, which is basically a synthetic dopamine. So, um, I, I literally am doping up all day long. Right. Um, and I, I take uh i counted up the other day i i take like 44 pills a day throughout the day at, at like 7 8 11 3 7 and
1: 10 at night yeah you shared you shared a photo of of all the like your one day's worth of medications color coded by what they do and um yeah. it i just felt feel like we've talked about this before this isn't a, i'm not surprised we i know this about you but the image stuck in my head just as a symbol of, of what what your day-to-day life is like, basically.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, at this point, it's kind of just standard operating procedure. <laughs> right. You know? Um, like, right before we started talking, I popped a few pills because it was time time to take them, you know? hmm So, I'm constantly replacing the dopamine that my body doesn't have, that my brain doesn't have, And so, when you don't have that dopamine, your your brain kind of misfires, and it gets into these weird feedback loops, which causes the tremors. Mm -hmm. And the the lack of movement chemical means, like my left hand couldn't move very fast. Um, It even it it affects things like, like I mentioned, speech. When when I'm not on the medication, I have serious word finding problems. Like I I can't like computer. I can't like, for example, I'll be like. Hey, can you turn on the uh, that thing there? I'm looking at it. I know what it is. I can't think of the word. It's so bizarre.
1: Yeah, it's and it's the the like initiation thing mm-hmm. that is connected to movement is also connected to movement of the mind. It's not, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's not how I would have and, guessed guessed it. It works, you know.
0: And you know, uh, since dopamine is also a, a reward chemical. I mean, imagine what, how you, your personality would change and how things would change in your life if you had almost no reward chemical for the things you were doing. Right. And yep. so you would just, things are different. And so yeah. uh, I, I noticed, so I've always been a huge go-getter, do stuff, very active. And I noticed over the past, for the years leading up to the diagnosis, I'd become more and more apathetic I would go to church. I'd like being at church because I'm an extrovert, but I, I wouldn't want to talk to anybody because it'd be hard to think about what to talk about. And I wouldn't want to inter, like interact at all. And I had no motivation to do anything whatsoever. I would just sit around and not do stuff. Right. And, you know, I am so thankful for these medications because I feel much more like myself with when I'm taking this stuff. Cause I have motivation to do podcasts and go on walks and ride my bike and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So interestingly, when I went through this, uh, with diagnosis, I, a lot of people expected me to be angry at God and I really wasn't. I was, I was upset in like at at the universe, but I, I, I didn't get to the point where I was mad at God. And we actually were seeing a kind of quote-unquote Christian therapist, Christy and I, for this purpose, to kind of work through some of this stuff. And she kept wanting us to like, she's like, it's okay to be mad at God. I'm like, I'm honestly not. You know, it, it's a struggle. It's going to be difficult. But I'm seeing some good things. Like I, I, had, I decided to start a nonprofit to raise money for people to um, have – uh, services for for people with Parkinson's who couldn't afford it, and I s- organized a big bike ride across the state of Colorado. I was really a- active with the the support groups in in town. I, I was kind of like this new kind of new piece of my life that was like pretty interesting and and pretty fantastic because I I love helping people, and suddenly here here I can help people in a whole new way. That and I knew, met people I'd never met before. It was it was kind of really, it was like a neat new adventure in some ways. Huh, yeah. And so, spiritually, the first diagnosis was not that bad.
1: What, why do you think you weren't mad at God? I think your, your therapist was probably just so used to, like, here's the response that's going to come, here's the response that's going to come, that when it didn't come initially that you must have been repressing it. What do you think? You know what I mean?
0: Well, I think I mean, I think
1: I may have been repressing it a
0: little bit, which <laughs> comes out later. We'll get to <laughs> okay. that in a minute. I think it may have been repressing it a bit, but at the same time, it was also very early on in the, the disease course, so it, the symptoms weren't really affecting me much. Sure. Once I was taking the medication, It was like, I mean, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell that I had Parkinson's. Nobody knew. Work was going well. Like I, I noticed that I'm like thinking like, okay, future plans. Um, I may not be able to design stuff as well. So but I like managing people. So, hey boss, can I, I think I should be the manager of the software team. And he's like, sounds good to me. It works out. You know, we're, <laughs> I need a right. manager anyway. And so I kind of got a promotion into that position. You know, my the career was going great. Um, loved where I worked. Family's going great. Everything was great. And I, and I, I don't know why I wasn't mad at God. Um, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, it's not, it's not like you have to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah. And I wondered if like, I don't know, maybe someone suffered next to you. So you had a category for like, yeah, I didn't expect my life to be perfect. And so this falls into my, you know, like my understanding of God so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, and that, I think that was part of it. I, um, And I had, I had seen other people go through difficult things and, you know, be stronger for it or have, find different strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I was worried about some of, some of the future stuff. And so I, I talked to somebody else at church who kind of put me in touch with a guy who was a young onset Parkinson's person. And he was also like a manager director or something of somebody at like Intel, and uh he did fine and he's actually the the leader of our support group that we go to. Mm-hmm. Super cool guy. Um, so I, I saw people who were handling it well. And I thought this I can do this. But the thing that that hit me spiritually with that Parkinson's diagnosis was really more of people's reaction to it. In a weird way, um, you know, Early on in our podcast, we talked about things we accidentally learned. I think one of the things I accidentally learned was that health and wealth equals spiritual goodness in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. If you are a healthy person, if you are, if you have money or enough money, you know, then that means that you are doing the right thing, and therefore God is blessing you. Um, once it, it was never explicitly said, but I just kind of got that vibe, and so here I was with serious health problems at 41 years old and I, you know, kind of goes through your head. Like, what did I do wrong? What did, did I, should I have been a state? Is God punishing me for being, for not being a missionary longer? Did I give up too soon? Um, Have I done something wrong with my kids? Uh, You know, your, your mind goes to some weird places when you have, weird things that you've accidentally learned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So did, were you having those thoughts before people around you were reacting?
0: A little bit, but um, then I had some, like there's the one gal at church. She's she's like, well, I'm praying for full healing. I'm like, well, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to. <laughs> That's not how Parkinson's works, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hey, God can do anything he wants, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I said, I said, I'm honestly, I'm just really praying that God will help me accept this and turn this into something good for the kingdom. That's kind of where I, where I had decided to put my thought process yeah, um, outside of myself and try to figure out how to turn this into a, a thing to, a, so I could be active for God. And her response was, well, you really should be praying for full healing. It's not really, it's, it's not quite the right kind of faith it's not it's not full faith i think she said to just pray for acceptance you need to pray for i'm like shut up (laughs) tell me how to pray you know so that
1: that kind of drove me the wrong way but oh yeah it's it's start you start to find the edges of our um, theology and what our beliefs actually are about that kind of stuff and also the logical like if you when we're all doing okay, I think we tend to think like, I'm doing great because God is giving this to me because I'm good. Yeah. You know, um, even though it's just because we're rich and we're American and we <laughs> right. live, live in a nice area, um, we were born in the right zip code. But when when you've been in that for so long, you start to think you just deserved it. Like, yeah, I did this. God gave me this. That's the, mm-hmm. the book with, that's the under posture where like, yeah it's it's that formula for we're ancient humans we've got our crop that we're trying to grow and then it gets struck by lightning and okay. burns down and then we're like oh shoot what did i do you know oh it was that black cat that i slaughtered i shouldn't do that again or <laughs> you know and we just start to we're like man i'm doing really well what did i do yesterday i did this dance so i'm gonna do that dance again and it happens in christianity where it's just like I, i've had the same thing. Like what, oh, something went wrong. I must have done something to deserve it. Also means I think that I deserve the, the good things that happened to me. Right. Like I did something to, to deserve that. And that I'm it's like. It's a very transactional view of God. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't, it, it works pretty well in the middle of life. In like the, the middle of the bell curve of life. But it really falls apart as you get to the edges of let's just say someone who's extremely wealthy and famous Mm -hmm. or someone who is extremely impoverished, our frameworks, if we apply those to those people, it shows the kind of the the errors that don't come out in normal life, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I honestly didn't get a ton of that kind of attitude from people at church. Uh, The church was very, very, very supportive and very loving asking, like doing, bringing us food and stuff like that. And it was really nice. But, um, I, st- I wasn't mad at God through this, through the beginning of, of it, because I think I was, like I said, I was focusing so much on the, back to your point about the with book. I was like, I'm going to plug everything I possibly can into the for God. I'm going to do everything yeah. for God. Yeah. Make this all about for God, which is, you know, in retrospect, not necessarily emotionally. <laughs> helpful <laughs> with, with something like this, because it, it really, um, when you, when something comes along like this, it's this seriously life changing. It's, it's a hu- there are some huge perspective changes and paradigm shifts. Uh, you start looking at everything, everything differently. And granted, it's not like a, a serious cancer, diagnosis where it's, it's really dangerous and, and touch and go. Like I know we, we have one fabulous listener in Oklahoma who is going through some really rough bone cancer stuff right now. And it, it, it's hard for her to, to deal with the chemotherapy and everything. It's, I mean, and I, and I also told myself that I'm like, well, Parkinson's is not deadly. It's, it's super inconvenient. And sure, I'm going to end up probably in a wheelchair or whatever. But that's like, you know, 30, maybe 40 years down the road. Mm -hmm. And I found out that if you, even though there's no clinical way to slow down Parkinson's, some evidence shows that if you exercise, that will actually slow the progression. So I'm like, I'm going to do that. So I began exercising a lot, riding my bike a ton, And it was great. I was getting in good shape. And honestly, I was feeling I was in better shape than I had been in years, which aided to me feeling better about things and not being mad at God, etc. So overall, crappy, crappy, sucky diagnosis. Very unsure, weird future. But I'm feeling great. Right? Right. And things are going well. I, I raised a bunch of money for the um, Parkinson Association of the Rockies, like $20,000. And things were going good. And then we were coming up to this bike ride that I mentioned across Colorado. We were going to ride from the New Mexico border through the mountains to um, the Wyoming border, south to north. And as I was training for that, doing lots of long rides on the weekends and things like that, there was a bike ride in Denver, South Denver called pedaling for Parkinson's. And they were, uh, it was kind of, you know, it's like a, one of my friends calls it like a t-shirt ride. you know, like, you do the ride to get a t-shirt afterwards. Yeah. And you're supposed to, it's, they were raising money for the Michael J. Fox foundation for Parkinson's research. And I got involved with them. I helped them with their marketing, with their website, all that kind of stuff. And, so I went down to Denver to, um, so I was really involved in the, the preparation for this thing. And I went down to Denver to do this ride. And it, the longest ride was a 60-mile ride. This is the second year I did it. And I went with a friend of mine, Matt, who also was going on the Cross Colorado trip with me. And it was it was hot that day. It was brutally hot. And this was 2019, like June. And the previous year when we did the ride, there was like this one huge hill like in Parker, Colorado. It was really really hard, and I I couldn't make it up the hill. I had to get off and push my bike up the, the last bit. I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not going to do it this time. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. Cuz you know, the 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 route we planned to go across Colorado included uh going over the Great Divide like three times and some huge mountain passes and so I'm like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so I pushed myself super hard and I made it over this hill. I was like, so proud of myself at the end of the day. It was a great day and Went home, woke up the next day, and I was sitting on the couch watching something on TV with the kids in the morning, and I noticed my left arm was numb. I'm like, oh, I must have slept on my arm weird. Yeah. And then um, it just kept, it was just stayed numb, like really numb. Not not completely dead, but like maybe 50% numb, I'd say. Wow. Like that really weird state where it's like kind of tingly, but anyway. And I... and it just wasn't going away. And then I noticed that it was like kind of elsewhere on the left side of my body. I'm like, crap, it's a new Parkinson's thing because right. left, uh, left side of my body. Yeah. Because par- Parkinson's usually starts on one side of your body and over time it migrates to the other side okay. as as progression goes along. I also noticed that I couldn't uh, – I, w- I went to do some push-ups in the morning and I could only do one push-up.
1: Wait, how many people can – What can normal people do? More than what? (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'd been doing like 20 every morning. Oh, what? And I could do one. Wow. It was really, it was a bit scary. So I got a hold of my Parkinson's doc and I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, that's not Parkinson's. You should call your general practitioner. I'm like, okay. So I called her and I got in and went to see her and she, um, Of course, I'm diagnosing myself along the way. I'm like, okay, this is not looking good. Um, I went in and she like poked me and prodded me and and was like, can you feel this? You know, does does the left side feel feel different than the right side and all that kind of thing? And she's like, well, we need to schedule you for an MRI because I think this may be a demyelination issue. Demyelination what? Demyelination. D. Demyelination.
1: I'm writing it down for later. I'll look it up later and pretend like I know what it means now.
0: I'll tell you what it means. Okay, in a, in a second. And <laughs> I had done the MS ride with my friend Chris uh, in 2015, and along and he has MS. He's a high school friend, and along the ride, I'm like, "Tell me about MS." And he's explaining like, "Well, your nerves have this sheath around them, kind of like wires have a, a like a rubber coating around them. Yeah, it's an insulator." This insulator on your nerve and your nerves is called myelin. And when oh, okay. your immune system attacks the myelin and starts stripping it off and killing the myelin, then your nerves are exposed to the rest of your body and, and the fluids and whatever else. And so if you are, if, if you have an inflamed area of your body, like uh, swells up or something, then that, that the tissues inside your body press directly against the nerve endings instead mm-hmm. of pressing against the the insulator and you get really weird, slow nerve transmission or no nerve transmission and things like that. So I knew when she said demyelination, I'm like, okay, this is like MS or something. <laughs> Cause I'd, I'd heard my Chris had, had told me about that and She's like, you know, MRI. That's the closest we can get you in is like a month and a half away.
1: <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> yeah, I'll just not sleep for a month and a half, and <laughs> right. I'll be fine. So
0: I, um, I said, well, what if it gets worse? She's like, if it gets worse, go directly to the ER. Do not pass go.
1: Right. So I said, okay, but you had the CT scan earlier in the story, and you were cleared of MS.
0: Right, and I actually had, I, I forgot to mention, I also had an MRI. This is in 2017. Yeah. And because the first dot, the Parkinson's doc, wanted to make sure they didn't have some weird brain tumor, which that was a fun few weeks waiting for <laughs> yeah. the MRI. Yeah. Like, do you have a brain tumor? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he, he like, wanted oh like he's like, it was like, you either have Parkinson's or a brain tumor. Yeah, <laughs> pick one. <laughs> And, but the, the MRI at the time showed nothing. It was yeah. fine. You know, fast forward two years later, uh, almost exactly two years later. And, and the doctor's telling me that, well, it could be MS or something else. Cause there's, there are multiple demyelinating diseases. So I went home and probably the the increased stress of not knowing what was going on and having to wait that long, probably kind of kicked off a chain of events that made it worse. Right. And so a few days later, I woke I woke up and it's like somebody had drawn a line directly down my entire body and the left side had gone almost completely numb. I mean, it was weird. I could like run my finger across my chest and like right at that spot, it would stop and it would be numb. Wow. And I, I was having a hard time getting up and doing anything with my arms. Uh, upper body strength was like non-existent. Mm. And so I'm like, okay. I need to go to the ER. So we went to the ER and when you go to the ER, pro tip, you get an <laughs> MRI right away.
1: Hey, <laughs> you don't have to wait.
0: You, you don't have to wait a month to half. <laughs> yeah. So I went in and got the, e- the MRI and laid there for a while. And doctor came in and said, well, um, you got some, like this lesion on your spinal cord, like uh, around your neck area. And he's like, it could be MS. Um, he's like, I, th- I think it's MS, but I'm not a neurologist. So you, there's more, there's like some specific criteria for MS. He's like, but one of the criteria is like, uh, we need to analyze your spinal fluid. So we're going to do a spinal tap.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, oh yeah, Great.
0: And so had me lean over this thing and like stick a needle in my spinal cord and sucked out fluid and sent it off to a lab to see what was going on. And in the meantime, he started me on a five-day round of super high intense steroids to minimize the inflammation, which worked to minimize the inflammation. But also, I gained like 25 pounds of water weight (laughs) during that five days and just felt like crap the whole time. And long story short, diagnosed with MS a few weeks later when the spinal cord stuff came back, positive, positive. Showing multiple, all the gloclonal bands. I'm not even going to write that one down. It's like a protein in the spinal fluid. So here I am at this time, 43. And not only do I have Parkinson's disease, but I've got MS. And all the doctors agree there's no correlation between the two. One didn't cause the other. Uh, it's possible some people have had MS and then had lesions on the brain, the spot in your brain with it for movement, which ends up causing Parkinson's like issues. Uh huh. But I had it the other way around. Wow. So um, it, I had these two neurological, degenerative, incurable diseases. And what do you do? <laughs> And that is when I got hit pretty hard with uh, that. That's when things hit me hard. And that's when I started getting mad at God. Yeah. And that's also when the, the gal who we were, the Christian counselor we were seeing, I, we realized she was in over her head because oh, she just no. did not know how to handle somebody with this level of issues. So we looked around and finally found the gal that we're seeing now. Yeah, But I mean, I, I've always, especially being a ministry student in college and missionary and etc. you know, I've had a lot of people over the years ask me questions about, you know, why does God do things? And, you know, I, I always, I always had an answer. Sure. I always, there's lots of answers you can give, but when you're actually in it, I, I actually am like, okay, why do bad things happen to good people? now I'm one of those people and i'm not i'm not a bad i'm not an evil person you know i I'd, I'd already filtered through all the did I do something wrong you know, <laughs> I know i didn't you know i'd uh processed through a lot of that stuff yeah and I was left at why me why in the world is this happening to me and then is this god's will um <sighs> and then if God really can do anything, why the bleep doesn't he? Right, and then you know, people are like constantly praying for me, saying, "We're praying for you, Steve, we're praying for you, and, and I, I'm still thankfully, and i I'm still on the prayer list at our the church that I left mm-hmm. um and so I'm thankful for people praying for me, but I start wondering what what's it good for? why is it doing anything? Is it helping anything because I'm not feeling any different? My right. Parkinson's disease is still progressing. Every 6 months I have to get more medication and up the pills. Like I was taking 40 and t- last week I went to the doctor and now I'm taking 44 <sighs> plus an antidepressant that I wasn't on before because we realized that my dopamine was so low that it's causing depression issues with me and and more motivation problems. Right. Um and Yeah, I mean what do what do you what do you it's do? like everything everything starts crumbling yeah and I think this kind of did lead to some of the deconstruction that I'm going through now it probably led to some of the uh, acceleration of it uh I not it didn't kick it off I think I mentioned it kind of that kind of kicked off back in, in Germany a little bit but I mean even to be honest even getting to the point where I'm like does God even exist I mean it's the things that are going so poorly for me physically and and also the weird the weird um view of life as far as uh, of Christianity as far as it's for spiritual stuff it's not a physical thing right like as long as your spiritual life is good you're good you know at least you know where you're going right yeah
1: C- disembodied brains with a yeah, where heaven is just a place for the part of you that's not your body, right? We're ju- we're just in the waiting room, right? And so,
0: and and that in a weird way caused me to feel guilt about wanting my physical body uh, healed because I'm like, my physical body shouldn't matter, my physical <sighs> being shouldn't matter because that's that's not the, the important part. The important part is the spiritual, and I've got that handled, right? Right. checkbox, I was baptized.
1: How did we get... I Complete other episode, but how did we end up with that belief? How did we read the Bible and end up with that that belief? That, that probably gospel, is a good episode. <laughs> how we got the gospel wrong for our whole lives, even though it was written down and we kept reading it over and over. Right.
0: Uh, yeah, and so... I mean I it, it triggered a lot of the this it, the second diagnosis really triggered a lot of things because I had all this uh momentum going I had kind of come to I sort of come to terms with the Parkinson's stuff and I had a direction I was fighting at a nonprofit that I started all that kind of thing and then this came along like <laughs> literally when I was riding my bike for Parkinson's disease <laughs> right I get MS which yeah really misses a guy up with wanting to ride his bike anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and it I feel like there's a a progression from our tradition is very much centered in order and confidence and having all the answers. And then you are just someone who had like in our tradition you're also just like even better at people at knowing like figuring that stuff out and knowing the answers and working through it. Yeah. And, but then once, you know, that one domino falls over, what you move towards is like, you have this order, but now it's chaos. Like it it starts to fall apart where you have this confidence. And now it's like, I don't have any, like, what do I hold on to now? Like now is when I need something to hold on to the most, but everything I grab is dissolving. You know, all, all the stuff that I've had my confidence in before when I actually need it is when yeah. I doubt, you know, doubt that stuff the most, you know. Yeah.
0: And and the amount of platitudes that you get from well-meaning people, it's just insane. Like, well, God must have a really good plan for you. God must think <laughs> you're really strong to give you this much hard stuff, you know. I'm like, just oh, shut up.
1: We're so bad... <laughs> We're so bad at grief and uh, mourning and unknown stuff. We just want to wrap it up in a bow. Yeah, I
0: actually, I, I, I want to do an entire episode on grief and mourning and how to deal with that and how to how to deal with other people really more than more than yourself cause... and how not to. <laughs>
1: oh, if you don't that's know how, of it. <laughs> but until we release it, if you don't know how, just don't say anything.
0: Don't say anything, especially yeah. don't try to make it okay yeah because no matter how much positive could come out of this, it's, it, it doesn't feel good when you're going through it, right So when I first started the first started MS meds, they had me take giving myself a shot every other day in my my gut, basically, and that was um, before I went on the big ride across Colorado. So we didn't realize until afterwards. So the 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 bonus side effect of these shots that I was taking was it made me feel like I had the flu every other day. Ugh. Flu-like symptoms.
1: I was hoping you were going to say steroids that gave me like <laughs> hyper athletic abilities. That that would be awesome. <laughs> so we didn't right? tell anyone
0: and <laughs> no such luck. That. <laughs> so basically I rode across Colorado with Parkinsons. And feeling like I had the flu every other day Uh, and MS. It was a hard ride and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but fulfilling. And my wife who went along with us, drove the car kind of sag wagon. Yeah. She She does not have positive memories of that because every day at the end of the day I was depressed and I crashed and, um, I'm I'm thankful for the guys who went with your brother, one of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they they were fantastic. At one point, they we were in um, Breckenridge, staying the night right after we went over Hoosier Pass, which is a massive pass here in Colorado. And uh, I was I was dead, I was just dead. And they um, they put together a playlist on Spotify for me, They'll like like pump me up songs, uh-huh. and it was great because like they would ride next to me during the day and like play on the iPhone really really loud, like play the. Uh, like I, the tiger.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Perfect.
0: And riding up who's your past actually before the day before, uh, David Criswell, mutual friend of ours.
1: Hey, David. <laughs> hey, David.
0: <laughs> David is riding next to me, uh, right behind me. And he and, his, uh, uh, another friend, Jacob Murphy, David was singing. I, the tiger. And he's like, Jacob, give me a beat. <laughs> and, and he was singing, uh, I had the tiger with like putting my name into it. It was, it was, it was very great guys, a lot of support. It was was fantastic. But anyway, so I I was taking this medication. Then we feel like crap. And then I found out later that we realized that this medication was also causing massive depression for me, which was a a, a side effect that they didn't expect because they didn't, nobody knows what happens when you mix Parkinson's meds and MS meds, because there's like hardly anybody in the country or in the, in the world has both of them. Right. So switch doctors I'm I'm on like my third medication now for that and I'm taking like a shot once a once a month instead of every other day which is nice. You know all that stuff all wrapped up together, you know, the the weird emotions that go along with it. I mentioned the curse of knowing the future, but also the the desire to plan for the future more than you used to. Like, what if I can't work in five years? Which is very possible.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Because with with Parkinson's, it's a known trajectory. I, it's like you plot two points on a graph and you pretty much got a straight line for the whole thing.
1: You can extrapolate.
0: Yeah. You know how slow it's going to go yeah. and where, where it's going to end up and when. And when. Uh-huh. With MS, I mean, I literally could wake up tomorrow and have to be in a wheelchair. I mean, it, it, you just don't know.
1: Because it's, it's yeah. an unknown. So the uncertainty. So you had a. Bleak certainty in front of you with some uncertainty. Yep. yep. So you're uh negative, uh, I'm making up terms for this. So yeah, you've got a bleak uncertainty, but with lots of certainty in front of it, but now you turn up the volume on the uncertainty part and, yeah. the, and the bleakness, but and the bleakness, I don't, I don't know which is harder the bleakness or the uncertainty. Yeah. It's I, uncertainty. I yeah, yeah. It's I guess the it depends on the, depends on the depends on what you're measuring it against. Yeah. But, wow.
0: Yeah. So I mean that. Um, you know what? What if I if I can't work in five years? Is my family going to be able to take care of themselves? And I had I my job pays pays very well. I'm thankful for. And so my you know Chrissy has never had to get a job before. She's been know, very active at church and doing stuff for the kids and stuff. But she's like, I probably had to kind of get into a career, (laughs) you know, so that changed her life. Um, I've got weird guilts about being a dad with these diseases, you know, and guilt, guilt with the disease is is so stupid. I know it. It's not helpful. But I mean, I, I don't have the energy to go do stuff with my kids that I used to or to go like be active dad, you know. Yeah, and so that that's weird, and you, you, I war back and forth between fighting fighting back against this stuff and just giving in and going with it. Right. Um, yeah. What does acceptance look like? Is there such a thing as acceptance? And you know, in in my notes here, I wrote out you know the, some spiritual impacts and some emotional impacts, but then I my I think the third point I have is like, is there a difference between spiritual and emotional, or should there be? And it kind of goes back a little bit to what we were saying about the, uh, the separating the, the spiritual from everything else around you. Yeah. And I, I don't know that there should be, but it's, it's been really difficult with, um, I think the bit, the hardest part with this whole thing is just trying to reconcile a, a good God and a loving God with allowing this stuff to happen. Cause like I said, it's, it's all academic until it happens to you and when i figure that out i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> but um that that's that's been the big, the biggest single difficult part of this for me i think and figuring out what what my life's going to look like within the, in the situations that i have and so you know the the the, the side effects of it are that once in a while I will have like a really bad day and I'll have to just kind of check out from work and I'll have to take half the day off. Yeah. Fatigue is a huge problem with MS and Parkinson's and I'm on medication for that. But at the same time, I, I sometimes I will literally I'll hit a wall, not literally figuratively hit a wall and I'll just, I'll have to like lay down wherever I am. Like I came home from, uh, an event the other day, and I I I couldn't even make it upstairs. I just had to lay on the couch and sleep for a while. And and plus on top of it, heat is a really bad thing for people with MS. Huh? They well, actually one way they used to diagnose MS before MRIs is they would stick you in a hot tub, and if your symptoms came back, then they were
1: they knew it was MS.
0: What? Because it causes in your body to. Kind of the inflammation response in your entire body. Okay,
1: So all your, yeah, all of your unsheathed nerves are being contacted.
0: And so I can't spend out hardly any time outside in the heat or else I, my brain shuts down. I can't think. And then I have a hard time walking and I start stumbling around. Wow. And on top of that, (laughs) Parkinson's makes autonomic problems with your body. And you, so you can't tell when you're hot sometimes and you can't tell when you're cold and your body has a hard time self-regulating that. So uh, I've got so, that on top of the, yeah. So I'll yeah. be outside pulling weeds and not know that I'm super hot. And I'll, I'll be like, it seems nice. And it's like 98 degrees. I'm like, what's the problem? Right. And then if I don't make myself come in in like 10 minutes, then I will almost not be able to get up the stairs to the door. So I, I, this is all bleak stuff. And I, I, I'm just kind of venting.
1: You're my therapist. I, I, (laughs) that's what, that's what, (laughs) yes. How does that make you feel? I already (laughs) said bad, Nathan, how would it make you feel? (laughs) But part of the, part of the problem is like, how does this make you feel? The answer to that, like, even without any of us listening, going through what you're going through, we can be like bad. That would make me feel bad. Yeah. But then when, like, even though we know that individually, corporately when we get together in a church building, all of our songs are about how joyful we are and um, the peace that we feel and how great and powerful God is. And when you're sitting in that space and you just had a really bad day, uh, how are you, like, um, or, or just like, you know, the thinking through the, like, like you said about prayer, like what is God powerful? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he do something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um So how do I, how do I pray if, or what should I pray for? Yeah. It's like
0: questions, piled on questions. Yeah. And then, and then this past, a few months ago, it was January or February. Uh, I think it was February. I, had become so stressed out and overtaxed with church stuff and trying to deal with the way that the, some of the leadership was treating me and how they were behaving with some things. I got so stressed out that I ended up having an MS relapse. And the most common type of MS is real. It's called relapsing remitting where it kind of goes in waves. Like you'll, You'll have a, new symptoms pop up, new lesions on your brain or whatever, and then they'll give you steroids and bring it back down. Um, but I had a new relapse. Went in and now there's not only that do I have a lesion on my spinal cord and my and a, few, a couple of my brain, but I've got a new pretty big one on my brain stem, which mm-hmm. is a really bad place to have it. Yeah. I mean, not that any place is good. But so it's like, on top of it it just it just keep the the hits keep coming and i think to myself you know and i try to try to like segment parts of my life and parts of my brain as much as possible because i can't be thinking about this stuff all the time when i'm at work or trying to deal with issues at work and and i can't i just can't dwell but i i to be honest with you Nathan it's been Two years uh, and some change since the MS diagnosis. And I'm still having a very hard time praying at all. Because I, I think I'm still kind of mad at God. And so I had mentioned that to somebody the other day and they're like, how? You're mad at God? What? And the, the the response was, it was like, what kind of a person are you? It's been two years. I'm like, just, you know, <laughs> like insert cuss word here, you know? <laughs> uh, it just made me so angry because like, first of all, you don't know what I'm dealing with and you can't tell, you know, back to the, what not to do when someone's sure. suffering, don't tell them how to feel. And so, uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm working through that and trying to, and this podcast is helping a lot in, you in know, in a lot of ways because focusing on some of the the topics we're focusing on and, the the focus on spiritual life day to day, and bring bringing it back more to like real world stuff, is kind of helping me see the some of the connections and and the 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 differences and, and the disconnects I should say, with how I've always processed faith and physical and spiritual stuff, mm-hmm. and so my my, my faith, I feel, through this whole thing has, I, w- I don't know if I would say grown at this point. It's definitely changed. It's 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 grown in in ways I didn't expect it to grow. Because when I was younger, I always thought that growing in faith meant you knew more Bible. Or <laughs> you had gotten to the point where you were so good at convincing people of Christianity that you had baptized lots of people or that you had that you just were, you know, just happy all the time, but it's not, it's not being happy all the time. (laughs) It's going through some really crappy stuff and knowing, yes. I mean, kind of just kind of taking it as it comes. Like you mentioned last, last week, how faith is kind of, opening your hands and accepting what comes. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the, that's a lesson that I'm really learning hard way, but I'm, I'm really learning. It. I'm thankful that I'm learning it.
1: I was just think, thinking that as you were talking about that, how I probably would have thought the same thing if I went back to like my college years and mm-hmm. the stronger faith is, is a higher, you know, I would have thought of it as higher certainty Right. That is so certain that it projects out like I just like at work all the time with my friends. It's like never doubting, right? Yeah, no doubting. But because I have all the, you know, I have because I have more and more like a continuous building up of whatever it is, wisdom, information, knowledge um, and certainty. And looking back, I equate that with a feeling of a tightening of a grip, like a Mm. strength. You know, yeah. I'm a weak Christian right now. I'm going to exercise more, I'm, and one day I'll be a strong Christian. But my faith development has been a loosening. Like I, mm-hmm. w- when I encounter somebody uh, who is going, has just gone through something, I don't have an answer for them. Mm. I would have in college when I was, you know. <laughs> You know, oh, 18 year olds don't have, don't have any actual answers, but have an answer for everything. Someone's probably yeah. said that better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. No answers, but a response for everything. I don't know. But I think, yeah, it can look like a faith that's getting weaker because your former self would thought that faith is certainty.
0: That's a really good way to put it. That's kind of what I, was, I think it was what I was trying to say is that faith has always been certainty for me. And I'm seeing now that faith in a lot of ways is being okay with uncertainty and being okay with not having answers. Because, I mean, let's be honest, even when we thought we had answers, we didn't have answers like you were just saying. Exactly, yeah. It's not just (laughs) 18-year-olds. I mean, I was 40 years old teaching classes. I I had all the answers. I got the answers for you. Um, and when people would say, "Why is there evil in the world?" I like, "I got an answer for that." Right. Going through this, I, I, I don't have a lot of answers, and I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of becoming okay with that. And I think that that that's that's kind of where I, I think I I needed to go.
1: I like what you said too about starting to learn about the, like the physical part of faith the body part of it where we're taught accidentally that the, the physical part of us doesn't matter yeah and so there's all kind, that's just modernism or materialism mm-hmm. and so our thinking about like what depression is uh you know we'll say like we should just be happier it's like well what mm-hmm. or even just what our hope for redemption is is just like oh just think the right things and then that part of you is going to go on but Faith is something that can be in your body, I think, or, or your expression of we are bodies. We're yeah. not, we're not a, a soul with a body. We're a body. We're, ju- we're just, right. we are, are just a human. We're a, I don't have the right words for that because we use these all differently, but a soul is a body. Yeah. Not a body has a soul or a soul ha- has a body. I've, you know, that's maybe C.S. Lewis, like, you
0: know. Um, well, Bible Project has a great video on that, by the way. the The word for soul, how it's it it's this Greek Western idea that we are like a vessel with a soul inside of it. That's not what the 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 Hebrew Scriptures teach. It's like right. the, the term for soul is like it's the whole person. And that's one thing that I've really learned. <laughs> speaking of brain chemicals, with all my brain chemicals being out of whack, I I really. It's like I'm a, a sort of a different person when I don't have all these chemicals in my brain, like I'm supposed to have. Cause the the self-starter go-getter guy who mm-hmm. um who I was before, I became this apathetic sit on the couch, do nothing, but play video games all day, guy. And that's that's not me. And I'm feeling much more like myself now than I was before. Thank thank goodness. But I I'm realizing how much the physical body impacts the soul and, and your spirit and how it's all, it's all, it's all one thing. We're one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how do we learn how to, you talked about um, the frustration of platitudes in, in church when you ran into that, or just yeah. maybe kind of hallmark theology that hasn't mm-hmm. been thought through very, very well, maybe isn't very deep seems like the right answer, but there's this weird thing too. I of the tiger is the musical equivalent of a platitude. But <laughs> when the people there were riding along with you, it, it's just different, mm-hmm. you know, like the, it, it's one thing. Yeah. I'd, uh, there's something to that. I think that there is such a thing as encouragement, and there is such a thing as hope, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What is what is irritating, or just stronger than irritating, is false hope and um, shallow encouragement. You know?
0: Yeah, and that's that's actually. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up again because that's one reason that when when Jacob was given the beat and <laughs> David was singing, Steve, 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 <laughs> right behind me. That was like in the moment they were saying you can do this right now. Yeah. We we can make this we can make up this make it up this 11,000 foot mountain together. You can do it. Platitudes are saying it's going to be okay.
1: Oh, yeah. It'll be
0: fine eventually. You know, we we don't know what the God, plans God has in store for you, all you know all this stuff. And that's one thing that I'm trying to learn think, you know, through the therapy and stuff as well, is I've got all of this uncertainty in this and the the bleakness, but I only have right now. So if I, if I hold on to that bleakness and the uncertainty in the future that may or may not happen the way I think it's going to happen, if I'm holding on to that future stuff, I'm not holding on to what's going on right now.
1: Yeah. The future is just stealing your present.
0: Right. And that's why David and Jacob were so helpful in that moment because they're saying, you can do this right now. And that's, that's, what, that's what people who are going through this crap kind of stuff need to, go, need to know is let's just make it through today. Uh, I'm not promising that tomorrow is going to be better. I'm not promising that you're going to be around in a year. But today you're here and you can do it today. Yeah. And that's, that's the huge part of the That's the one thing that I'm really learning. And on the spiritual side of that, I I grew up my entire life constantly focusing on heaven, that the the one day thing, you know, make it through all this stuff here, and one day you'll get to heaven, it'll be fine. Yeah. But I'm realizing that, well, I still believe that, whatever heaven means. But I but all I know is that right now I can I'm living in the kingdom of God and i need to act like i'm living there now i don't need to wait why am i wait why am i waiting to live in the kingdom of god right. i i'm my, my eternal life has started now and I need, I need to act like it
1: yeah that's that's hard to that's hard to do not just you know you could hole yourself up in a in a cave and wait for the, what's coming but i think you would miss you would miss something where there's something for us here now, even amidst, even when it's kind of sucks to be here, here right now. And there, I think there's something that I'm constantly having to fight that I have learned through stuff I've gone through, but I feel like more in 2020 than any, any other time you you mentioned just the idea of like just getting through the day. And mm-hmm. when I, I've, am sure you've been in times when, I've been in times where I am, my goal is one hour. I'm going to get through one hour. Mm-hmm. And, and if I get through that hour, then I'm, maybe I'll try to get through the next hour. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and in those moments, the, I had people that helped me get through that minute or that hour or that day. But what I wanted was just for it to all be over. Mm-hmm. And I, that's still what I want. That's what I want. I always want like, Financially, just to have everything I need, pay off my house, do all my projects, and have no financial need. Or, like, heaven, or or getting through a problem. And that's because I had a theology that was, you just wait for the big lottery payoff at the end. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that Christians are supposed to help each other that way, and I don't think God... God helps us with daily this really frustrating thing with daily bread, mm-hmm. and um daily, yeah, yeah, it's well it's like banana
0: it it should it, it was spoiled at night, you don't
1: and even we, have enough for tomorrow it it right. you can collect what you need just for this day, and it's God is like screaming in a megaphone, it's not the lottery, it's <laughs> I have not told you if you be moral. If you don't cuss, this is what I believe. If you don't cuss, uh and you are and you are respectful to women, then you will get a wife at the end of college. I thought that was the formula. <laughs> um I didn't know that you have to talk to women. You'd, apparently you apparently have to talk Just to women. Small detail, yeah. Yeah, it was if you don't talk to women but you don't cuss either. So, that, you know. <laughs> um yeah pay off theology, but God doesn't say if you do these right things, you're going to get this great thing. Eventually He just says, I'm here with you to walk through this right now. Yeah. And, and you'll get your daily bread. And what humans want to say is, well, could I, can I have enough for today and tomorrow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can I have, I'd prefer to just have a barn full of bread and not have to do that. Yeah. But that doesn't make it, Easier, um, no. but I think it helps direct us as humans how to be humans next to other humans who are going through things. Yep, which is like, Well, what can you help them with today? <laughs> what <laughs> and instead of telling S- Steve, You're don't worry, your legs were built for this mountain or you wouldn't be on it, <laughs> you know, it's like, What? No, I don't you may or may not be able to get up this mountain. So let's, let's do it together and see if you can do it. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this has brought about, it's, it's forced me to make some realizations. I have a, I have a list of like a a
1: partial list of forced realizations that I wrote out. Undesired, unwelcome learning. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to
0: realize this whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I mentioned some of these already, just the, the, Brevity of life. Once again, I'm, I'm not dealing with terminal illnesses, but just just, just the reframing of things. How how I, I am dealing with uh, loss every day. Some people refer to uh, Parkinson's as uh, the disease the disease of loss because each morning I'll wake up and I'll realize that my tremor is a little bit worse than it was the day before, or that I can't pick up things like like my fine motor skills are slowly deteriorating things like that so it's constant loss but i'm realizing how much of a breath how much of a passing breeze this this life is and so which helps me realize the beauty of life um yeah and realizing how much i can't control and therefore helping me to release that control you know, not hard. to sound all
1: Buddhist, but <laughs> kind of, it kind of is. Well, no, that's, yeah, that's, it's not just Buddhist. It's it's the Eastern religion of Christianity too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I'm a guy who likes to control things. I'm not a, I'm not a, I mean, I don't know. My wife's listening to this probably, so she would have maybe, maybe have a different opinion on whether I'm a control freak, but I don't think I'm a control freak, <laughs> but I like to control. I like to have, I mean, who doesn't like to have control of things, Right. Right, and especially of your own body, but when I cannot control my leg bouncing up, up and down, sometimes it looks like I'm just like nervous, but like I can't control my leg moving sometimes, and and so, and I can't move, control my head like kind of bobbing back and forth like it is right now a little bit. I just can't, and so when you can't control like your hand, much less the things around you. It, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a paradigm reset.
1: Right. Um, realizing just, how much, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that this is a silly reference, but the Michael J. Fox comedy show, I can't remember what he called it, but one or two seasons of, of the TV show he had. Um, Spin City? No, uh, more recently than that. It oh, was. Okay. A, he was acting in it with Parkinson's as a news anchor who had Parkinson's.
0: Oh right, um,
1: and uh, the comedy is that he doesn't have control of his body. Like I mean, right. that's just what every joke in the. That's why it's only two seasons long. It was really funny, but <laughs> um, it's but you can tell that that lack of control in one area has made him into a person that is more okay, shrugging off the lack of control in the other areas. Right, and it's the people around him that can't handle it like they're in the same situation now it's not his body but it's those people that are, don't have the practice um like shrugging off the thing you like yep sometimes sometimes that happens
0: yeah and and little it's a good point cuz little things that like i can be in the worst traffic now and i'm like yeah, <laughs> i'll get there i still don't i still hate i hate being late i spent enough just three and a half years in Germany was enough to like cure me of ever wanting to be late ever again. (laughs) So if I'm like one minute late, I'll be calling. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm late and people are like, what? Right. But in general, I mean, even little things like I'm able to shrug things off now that I didn't, I couldn't before. Uh, I'm realizing how, how much I need other people because I, I, for not just physical things, but I mean, there are physical things that I can't do anymore as well. But just not just for physical stuff, but for emotional support. Uh, I was always like a very much a lone ranger type person, and mm-hmm. going to some of these support groups and uh, like therapy, as I mentioned, I I need that. It's not just a, a luxury. I right. I really need that stuff to stay sane, and realizing how much I need God throughout this whole thing. Because how whatever your view is of God, it 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 helps me to. It gives me great comfort knowing that there's something beyond me that even though he's maybe not fixing me like I would like him to, I know he's, I know that, or he or she or whatever, God, (laughs) I know God is there and there's this power that's greater than me and that that will, that that has a huge impact on my life. And just realizing how serious all this stuff is, just life. The seriousness of life. I, it's it's easy to, especially when you're young. But it's it's easy to just kind of bebop through life and, and not realize how serious the, what we're dealing with is. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, I love to have fun and things, but the, life is it's, it's some serious stuff going on. And also the invisible things that people deal with that you don't ever, ever know that they're dealing with.
1: I was just going to ask if there's if having something like this makes it easier to spot and sympathize with people who are going through something.
0: Oh yeah. hundred
1: percent. Because
0: I mean you, the average person, if, unless you're a trained neurologist, you wouldn't know that I have Parkinson's most of the time. But I, I I know enough about it and I've been around enough people with Parkinson's now that I can, I can see somebody walking down the street and go, they got Parkinson's. Wow. Um, but like my, my left arm doesn't swing hardly at all when I walk Mm -hmm. because Parkinson's is on my left side. So my arm doesn't swing. Right. And my facial expressions are muted on the left side. They're not completely gone, but they're kind of less prominent. Like when I smile, I tend to smile like more on my right side. Oh yeah. Like I can do it both ways, (laughs) but like if I'm not thinking about it, it's just like, it's like just a right side smile. Little things like that. But it, it has made me realize how many people, whether even if it's not something like a, a brain disease, but like depression and anxiety. These are th- some serious issues that are often chemical in nature. They're not just because you had a bad day. Right. Or that you're, you know, having, that you're like letting the devil in, which I heard somebody say recently. It's that it, these are... You know, hidden, silent, uh, invisible diseases that people are dealing with and just having I'm defaulting to more empathy before anything else these days. And even when people are cranky with me or mad, I'm a lot less inclined to just bite back because I really don't know what's going on within their head or in, in their life.
1: Yeah. I think there are so many people. There are more people than we acknowledge going through stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Sometimes it's, you know, like fibromyalgia or Lyme's disease or some chronic illness that, that people don't see. But yeah. sometimes it's just like your family situation or you're taking care of someone or your, your depression or, or mental illness. I tend to think that just everyone has what I have. So I just think like maybe everyone's going through life with depression or with, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so maybe I've, I've got a, a false view of it, but I think way more people are going through this kind of stuff than like we talk about it church or, or that we have answers for, like, sure. why don't we have, why don't we have good answers for this? It's all of us. It's all, or it's not all of us. It's, it's some of us though.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of one of the, one of the last things I wanted to say is that, I mean, my my story is honestly pretty, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> like when we um, talk to people who are, especially people in the medical field, when they hear that I have both issues, they it, try as they might, they cannot hide the sadness on their face. And like the, because the, 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 they, they get it. Yeah. Like one of these things is hard enough, but both of them, it's pretty brutal. But as bad as I have it, it's not a competition i'm not coming on this podcast to say you know hey i'm i've got it worse than people out there who are just depressed <laughs> you know quote unquote just depressed because the hardest thing you ever have dealt with is the hardest thing you've ever dealt with yeah and you can people can handle way more than they think they can but just because someone's issues whether it's physical or emotional or Whatever, are maybe not quote unquote as bad as Steve's. That does not mean that they're not seriously serious and life changing and life altering, and that they need attention. Uh, I, and so, just yeah, it's not a competition. I just wanted to tell my story about how how this kind of thing can can impact you and how how it impacts me because it, it 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 does. It colors everything I do now. It colors everything that I say and think, yeah. Because especially with Parkinson's, because I every three or four hours I have to take pills. It's like I can forget about it, Ugh. but then I'm like, oh, right. Timer went off.
1: My my reminder that I have Parkinson's went off.
0: Ta- time for four more pills. Yeah. Ah oh, man. Or if I forget the pills, then I I suddenly I can't type. I'm like, why can't I type? Oh right, <laughs> forgot the pills.
1: I think that humans' emotions. This isn't a completely true statement, but our, our emotions just fit this, the range of our experience. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so when a when a four- or five-year-old is throwing a tantrum because they can't, you can't find their blanket, to us we're like, it's just a blanket. But to them it's like they have just ex- experienced a loss. Like yeah, their emotion should tell you what they're going through, not how big it is feels relative to you. Right. Right. That, yes, perfect way to say it. And and Mr. Rogers was trying to tell us this whole time, like, just try to remember what, what it was like to be a kid, because it's one thing to to throw a tantrum. Parents know how to tell the difference between a tantrum and when a kid is upset, but we tend to think, you shouldn't be upset about that. It's small. Yeah. It's like, no, it's big, because I'm a kid, and I'm I'm upset about it because it's big, and that's true with adults. You can certainly go through something that's harder than other people. But yeah. what you're feeling is still like your range of experience. That's what you're going through. And I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet. What you and I went through are, is drastically different. But I was I was grateful for having a slap me in the face kind of problem. Because mm. some like I needed a, a jolt kind of to wake up. But it also woke me up to other people's problems. And yeah. it, it gave me just, I guess, the looseness that we talked about and the humility to, like, actually see and notice other people's problems.
0: Problems really give you empathy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They really do. Yeah. So I i I feel like I'm still on the journey. <laughs> yeah. Falling the fire through the wilderness, you know. Trying to figure out what all this means for me, um, but I, I think I'm I'm on, I'm on the right path, and I'm feeling feeling better day by day about stuff. And I'm happy to answer any questions to anybody if anybody listening has any questions about any of this at all. I'm I've I've been very open with things the whole time from the time I got diagnosed with Parkinson's and MS and everything, uh, because. I think I've always I felt like I immediately felt the need for people to support me. And so that that's kind of one one reason I was so public about it is just the the support from all around the world of people that I know who've been able to help me out and help me keep going up that hill when it's hard and you know, help me to realize that that I'm not alone. And and for the people out there who are dealing with hard stuff if and if you need help you know find help and don't don't try to do this stuff alone it's not it's not worth it and it's it's a it's maybe not possible all the time to do it on your
1: own yeah yeah the i feel like we could spend i have so many i feel like we could focus in on any one of the individual topics we just talked about it's <laughs> just like so deep, yeah, but yeah I think that's a good a good takeaway that a lot of times this kind of thing, if you don't see it, see someone around you suffering with it or, or it feels small or, or, or whatever, or shameful mm-hmm. or something there. I think there's something evil that keeps us from each other, keeps us from sharing that stuff. Yep. Anytime that I have finally overcome either my pride or fear to share my burdens with people. Always, so much. It's always worth it. Yep, totally. That's people, it's what people are for.
0: Well, that's, that's all I got. Sorry for the heavy episode.
1: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for sharing, though, and hopefully we can we'll return to this. I'm sure occasionally. Um And I'd never know. I want to ta- wrap it in a bow, but that's what we just talked about. That there's no. There's no bow to wrap around it. Is <laughs> what it is. The saga continues.
0: Saga, to uh, go. The saga continues. Yeah. All right, well, dude, I will see you next time and uh, have a good one.
1: All right. See
0: ya. I had been screaming all these messages I thought you wanted to hear, but it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening to Following the Fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned, as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later.